Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, on this beautiful Mother's Day Sunday morning, we want to thank all the women and moms in our audience uh, for all they do. want to say good morning to Mark Coyle. Mark, uh, my first question is, I'm guessing you may have gotten a few text messages or emails this week after the Twins announced their $5 deal saying, hey, you guys working on anything like that? Hey, good morning. Uh, good morning, Miles and Dave. Yeah, I know, uh, obviously, we've been uh, you know focusing really hard on our ticket sales for uh, all of our Gopher programs. And as you know, Dave, a few weeks ago, we announced um, a significant reduction in the ticket price for uh, men's basketball season tickets. I think they went down about $194 and reduced the men's hockey tickets by $100. And we've tried to um, scale back the scholarship seating sections uh, to make it uh, what we call the get-in price better for our fans to come out and support our great student-athletes. Is it, do you, you know, I know this is a long debate, and Dave and, and Mark, you can both chime in on it, but I, I've long debated whether it's price point or something else. I don't, have, I don't know. Is, is price point a big deal to your fans in the surveys, or is it something else? Is it fan experience? Is there a number one thing they're looking for? You know, Mike, that's an interesting question. You know, and if you recall, when I was hired uh, three years ago, after our first year here, we put together a fan advisory council that we meet with, uh, people on our staff meet with. And, you know, the feedback we got was a little bit of all those things. They talked about price point. Uh, they talked about, um, you know, the game experience from when you come to our campus to park to go into the venue to watch our teams compete. So I think there's a lot of different variables. And, you know, I know, Dave, I see you a lot at our volleyball matches. You know, I would argue our volleyball ticket might be one of the hottest tickets in the community. Uh, and I tell people the reason why it's such a hot ticket is it's fast-paced, it's action. Uh, they're a top-five program, and they compete at a high level, and they do things the right way. So I think it's a combination of a lot of factors. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that, Mark. One thing that uh, you know you wonder about with the uh, football, now if you're starting to see the preseason, the books, the polls are coming out, a lot of people identifying the Gophers, either the best in the West, tied for uh, best in the West, maybe second in the West. So a lot of expectations. Is that reflected at all in your football ticket sales so far? Yeah, you know, we've had, Dave, we've had a strong renewal rate with our season tickets, and, and we've, we've been able to sell some new season tickets. And, you know, what's interesting about, uh, you know, football, obviously, I, I think I read an article maybe a week or two weeks ago where college football is at its lowest attendance in 22 years. Uh, and I saw a piece yesterday where Ohio State, for the first time, is selling many season ticket plans. Uh, they're, they're, you know, uh, trying to get creative and trying to sell tickets, too. So it's not just a Minnesota issue. It's an issue for all of college football, and it's something that we need to pay attention to. And Obviously, it's great that we have these awesome expectations and people are starting to talk about Minnesota football, but as you both know, we have to go out on the field and we have to perform at a high level, and, and we're very confident in Coach Fleck and our student-athletes that will compete at a high level, and hopefully we'll earn some people back into our stadiums. Mark, the, the grad transfer thing, and we see you know the Gophers have benefited some uh, from it. I don't think you've ever lost one to a grad transfer, but you've benefited some from it. When you guys meet all the athletic directors, I would think the fear would be in the mid-majors and low-majors because these kids are now figuring out, hey, I'm going to get done in three years, and if I'm good enough, it's like a JUCO deal. I can I can go transfer somewhere else. What's your dial? I would think it, it would probably be advantageous to the Big Ten, difficult for a, a, you know an up-and-coming program or a program that, that that's not in that BCS category. What are those conversations like AD to AD? 
Well, Mike, I know you're a good reporter. You must be in the room with us because that's exactly what we talk about. <laughs> so that's uh, you're dead on in terms of, of the grad transfer. You know, it's something. It's a very unique question, Mike, because if you look at college athletics, when when a university recruits a young man or a young woman to come to their campus to play college athletics, you know, we promise that family that they're going to get a degree. They're going to they're going to graduate from our institution. And obviously, we all have uh, NCAA rules we have to follow. We have Big Ten rules we have to follow. We have um, we have the university policies that we have to follow. Then the trick is, well, what happens when a young man or a young woman graduates early and they have a year of eligibility left and they transfer? Uh, you know, a lot of times these grad transfers don't graduate from their master's degree program. You know, they go on, they play another year of the school, uh, they get that extra year, and then they'll go on. And so it kind of creates tension and pressure on the academic side because we're admitting students into grad school, and sometimes they don't have an interest in completing that grad degree. So you've got to balance that. At the same time, you got to balance that we made a promise that we helped them graduate with their undergraduate degree, and they've done that. So there's no doubt it's a unique situation. And then finally, Mike, with respect to the mid-majors, uh, there's no doubt that mid-majors feel a lot of pressure. As you know, uh, recruiting is not an exact science. Uh, coaches miss on kids. And when you have a kid, for example, when I was at Boise State and we had football players, we had basketball players that maybe weren't recruited at a Pac-12 level, but they get to a Boise State and they compete and they do it the right way. Now all of a sudden you have schools coming in and saying, man, we'd really like to have that kid on our team on a Pac-12 school, for example, or a Big 12 school. And so it does create a tension there. And I think it's something we continue to have to have conversations about. It's something we'll focus on as we move forward. Mark, I was reading the paper this week and then trying to look backwards in the Gopher program, trying to remember if you overlapped with Phil Eston at any time. And you probably know what's motivating this question with what's going on in St. Thomas and the MIAC. I wonder if you've worked on your schedule for 2024 and 2025 and they're looking at St. Thomas or well, that's in jest. But if you've got any advice for, for what uh, you know, Phil's got to be going through over there trying to figure out what the future of St. Thomas is and where they might land. Yeah, well, you know, Phil uh, Phil and I had a chance. We crossed over a few months when I was at Minnesota before, Dave, uh, yeah. from 2001 to five, and, and obviously when I came back to Minnesota and Phil was over at Penn State, we had a chance to uh, to get to know each other better and spend time with each other. And first off, I really I really applaud Dr. Selvin and the hiring of Phil. Phil uh, will do an awesome job with St. Thomas. He has great credentials. And, uh, you know, I can tell you, what I guess what I can relate to, Dave, my first year at Boise State, uh, back in 2012, that's when Boise State was looking at joining the Big East in football. Uh, we were in the Mountain West for all of our other sports, but the Mountain West said we couldn't stay in there because we weren't going to be a football member. So I think I went to league meetings with the Big West, the Big East, the Mountain West, the Western Athletic Conference, and the Big Sky Conference. I think I had conversations with all those different conferences trying to find a home for our Olympic sports. And I know those aren't easy conversations, and, and I know Phil uh, will do a phenomenal job leading St. Thomas through some of their challenges that they're going through right now with respect to this conference affiliation. And again, I, I applaud Dr. Selman. I think she made a great hire there, and Phil will lead them in the right direction. Well, for all of our geography majors, I just want to say there's no more logical place for Boise State than the Big East. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I joke, Dave, you've heard me say this a million times. I'm a, I'm an English major from Drake University, so I have four years in Shakespeare, and I'm an athletic director. And uh, even I understood that that Big East and Boise State didn't make uh, a lot of sense geographically. But those were uh, those were uh, interesting times back in 2012, and, and quite honestly, it really gave me great experiences. Uh, first time AD, you know, trying to navigate your way through that football program. And I was very fortunate to work with Chris Peterson at the time, who was our football coach at Boise. And Chris was great to work with our president, Dr. Custer, and it was a great learning experience for me and uh, helped me become a better AD hopefully today. Mark, appreciate it very much. 
All right, guys, you have a great day, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially to Kristen Coyle. <laughs> well done, Mark. <laughs> all right, take care. All right, that's Mark Coyle. Back with more after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Ron Shira, I just want you to know I am working on your behalf because there's somebody out there that is Photoshopping your picture with walleyes. And I am really? I haven't gotten to the bottom of it yet, but I just want you to know as a friend, I will vet this thing and I'm not gonna sleep until I find out who's doing this. Well, I I hope you do. I, and, and excuse me for whispering here, but I don't want the walleyes to hear me. Uh, because... <laughs> well that would lead us to believe you're not at your limit yet. Yeah. <laughs> well today I'm not, but yesterday I had my limit and I'm not talking about beer either. Um <laughs> It was a it was a wonderful opener, uh, although a little pesky wind in the afternoon. I mean, maybe really pesky. But um, uh, our group we we consumed thirty walleyes last night in a fish fry. Uh, that'll give you some idea how it went. Um, now the biggest drama is uh, our big fish pool. And yours truly was leading this oh, with boy. a twenty-one incher. Oh, yeah, boy. with a twenty-one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a twenty-one incher with fifteen minutes to go. Oh no! And uh, up walks my uh, nephew's girlfriend, who maybe had not caught a walleye all day, but she's got good one stick though. Twenty-three inches oh. long, bounced me out of the big uh, pool for yesterday. And um, she might be uh, the overall champion. We have a walleye masters jacket, you know, like the golf has their green jacket. Yeah, the funny I'll... thing is, it, it's supposed to. Everybody makes fun of the jacket, and it's one that you wore for years to Sunday to church. Ooh, wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, he's, uh, Maxie, you should be careful because anybody <laughs> that goes on TV, so so happy to hold up a four inch bluegill, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> hey, Ron, with you, with you out there fishing uh, for a second day in a row, would you like to say anything about Mother's Day to get yourself kind of back in good stead? Well, you know, if my mother was still, uh, if if she was still alive, she would want to be out here. So I always All right, say that's Mother's good. Day is that's perfect. Good. Yeah, 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 she'd want to be here. But happy Mother's Day to uh, my daughter's mother, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, your wife, and she's she's... She's not seen you on many Mother's Day when the fish are kind of used to it by now, I would think. Sadly, yeah, yeah, she is. Sadly, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but it wasn't my idea to have the fishing opener on Mother's Day. Uh, yeah, you don't make the rules. You just live by them, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, so, but I thought this cold front was going to shut things down this weekend. Give me your theory. Well, uh, the water temperature was 48, but he- here's what was going on yesterday. And, and a lot of males, a lot of male walleyes are still in the shallows, cruising back and forth in spawning habitat. And so they were starting to bite, and that's almost what everybody caught. I think uh, I think there were only two female walleyes that we filleted. Uh, the rest were all males, which tells you uh, what was going on there. And then... Um, uh, the the females after they spawn they kind of go out in deeper water and and rest from the stress of spawning and they really don't start eating now until another uh, week or two uh, as the water warms up if it ever warms up but it's a beautiful day up here today and uh, no wind finally so that's uh, but the fish aren't hitting as good today as they were yesterday so go figure well Sid Hartman just uh, came in and he said he'd heard your report and he wants to come up and join you do you got room for him in the boat. 
Yes, sir. You tell me, bring his own fishing pole. <laughs> and if you need some, if you're, if you're looking for a walleye chop, if it's that still, he can give you some wind. <laughs> oh. Well, that was good, Max. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I'm just getting warmed up. Hey, Ron, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. I'll see you me. soon. And, uh, yeah, Dave, keep him under control. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Ron, I owe you one for the shot I took online this week, so I'll, I'll pay okay. you back, okay? Okay, thank you, buddy. Bye-bye. All right, that's Ron Sheriff back with more after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, Mike, we are back. We've got that Levine coming up at uh, 10.05. We'll probably have some other Twins guests along the way. Jonathan Scope in the 11 o'clock hour. Sid's got a couple of tapes. He'll be in here momentarily. Boy, the Twins are the talk. Uh, you know, for the longest time, I'm, I live on MLB.com, and the Twins – Really, we're not getting much coverage. What was happening to them? I'd go down and they'd have 10 stories and none about the Twins. Well, that started to turn around the last week or so. Are people catching on nationally? What's going on here? Yeah, and they haven't had an injury yet, really. I mean, and they got Sano still coming, uh, which I think is going to be really interesting. Yeah. But the funny thing is, and this is sports, we all concurred during the winter months when we said, how are the Twins going to do it? We said, well, it depends on Buxton and Sano. Yeah, well, not. I mean, Buxton's yeah. been pretty good. He, you know, he's 250, and he gives you, you know, what he gives you. But he's only got one home run. Yep. Sano's a non-factor, and they're the best team in baseball. I, I have never seen, um, like, Odorizzi take the jump that he's taken. Oh. You, you, you could never project something like that. And then Perez, and I thought, boy, I've seen, I've seen Martin Perez come through here about 40 times, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and pretty soon you forget he's on the team as he's been designated for assignment and he, he's mm-hmm. released into, uh, and, you know, he's on paternity leave. But uh, you watch him pitch, if you didn't know, you'd say that's the ace of any staff. I mean, he looks that good the way he commands the strike zone yeah. and all those things that he does. And then Nelson Cruz is just a professional hitter all the time. And I, I just, I've never seen CJ Crone, they right. pick up on waivers. Yeah, CJ Crone. Waivers. Are you kidding and me? I thought, okay, well, we tried this with Logan Morrison, you know, well, yeah. and here he is. And, and that ball he hit last night changed the game. Game over as soon yep. as he hit it. Jonathan Scope, who we're going to have mm-hmm. on the 11 o'clock hour. What a player he's turned out to Coming be. off a bad year, right? And I go, okay, I've seen yeah. this guy too 100 times come through here, you know, and he never revives his career, and, you know. Uh, and, and Mike, you up. said something on, on this era about a month ago that I, I haven't forgotten. You'd done an interview with Gonzalez, and Gonzalez was hitting about 148 at the time, and he said he'd never played weather this cold. And I've got friends who were big Astros fans, and we got him. They w- they said, you're going to love this guy. This guy's a real ball player. He's a great hitter. He's a great fielder. Well, we gave him time. It's getting warmer. Look what's happening to his batting average. Yeah, and, and his versatility. And, oh. you know, he, got, he got hit in the head there the other night. That was a little bit of a scary situation. What a but, uh, crazy uh, play. Boy, I mean, he, like I said, you get Sano back in there. And this kid, he, Gonzalez can play the outfield. Uh, he can play second base if you need him to. Uh, Arians is the one that's going to have to put I mean, yeah, he's, he's down under a buck twenty now. Yeah, uh, and they're going to have to make some roster. Not moves, that they got a lot of problems, but but he's going to have to figure it out here pretty soon. Yeah, I would think Osadio coming back, uh, he could be the victim of that. Or the you don't know what they'll do with the pitching staff, but even you know dropping down their AAA pitching staff, Duffy, who's had a real up and down career, came in the ninth inning yesterday, and struck out the side. That was really good to see because that kid's really fought it, and uh, they've reinstated Osadio, uh, so they're going to have three catchers. But the the yeah. last part of that is Garver and Castro. And, and the production they're giving them offensively from that position. You don't have to get great average. If you can just do what they do, a little thunder once in a while. Yesterday they both did. Uh, 
Whoa, that, that's pretty difficult at the end of the order, and Garver's a lot better hitter. I thought he was a good hitter. He's a really good hitter. That was the story that got him back on MLB.com, who noticed the production from the catching position. The Twins, by far the best in the major leagues at the catching position. And, they, you know, they counted Asadio a little bit. He's got two home runs, one of them as a catcher. But their production from that part of the batting order, uh, that part of the lineup, is just right now it's unprecedented, uh, you know, except for them in all of Major League Baseball. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, um, this is going to be an interesting study now from here on out because I think, uh, you know, the $5 tickets, all that, I think June, July, and August, they're going to have a lot of fun here. But, David, you know this. There, there's, you forget this, but there's nothing like a team being in the race because oh. they feed you every day. Every day you get addicted to how they do and how the opponents do. We haven't had to care much in these parts about the other teams and this and that. Now you're starting to measure them up against the Yankees, the Red Sox, Tampa's having a good well, year. Well, who's not watching how Cleveland's doing? Each yeah, thing. Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's fun. That's when it gets fun is when you go, well, you know, I think they can handle the Angels. I think they can, you know, all that stuff is fun. And, and you forget how much fun that can be until they light it up a little bit like this. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, they got Trout coming in this week. It used to be you went to the game to see Trout. Now you go to the game to see if the He's, Twins can keep going at home against a decent team. Yeah, and you kind of go, Trout, take this, you yeah. know, instead of, well, I want to watch Trout take batting practice. All right, Sid has joined us. I just want to recap. We'll have some of this discussion continued when Thad Levine joins us at 10.05. P.J. Fleck, we had a text message about P.J. Yes, he's back in his normal time at 10.30 today. Hoping to talk to Glenn Taylor at 10.45. Lots of news on that front. Then Jonathan Scope of the Twins, Tom Curvers of the Wild. They'll join us in the 11 o'clock hour. Sid's got here. He's got a couple more Twins he's talking to. It's going to be good next two hours. Stick around. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.